Welcome to River City Media. And we're late because nobody could get anything to work. Below me is Tom, and he couldn't get his sound on. So welcome, Tom. After an extended absence, yeah, back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, dang, asthma didn't uh, do me too well. I get a, a little cold, and it turns into something a lot worse. So um, I got my um, handy-dandy inhaler that uh, looks like something straight out of The Handmaid's Tale. But um, <laughs> uh I'm ready to go. I did my breathing treatment. I'm ready to talk today. Some good uh, sports topics. So it's good to be back. Good to have you back. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Good, good to Thank have you. you back, Tom. We 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 uh we thought about replacing you, but we had problems with people showing up on time. <laughs> Over here, that's Robbie Davis, and he probably is going to say something about that Major League Baseball shouldn't be playing now. But I'll let him. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to that. But yes, I am. Uh, I had I got my fourth COVID shot yesterday, and uh, I've been soaring in the bed all day. So it's good to talk to people now and uh, get out and see how long I can last. Well, we'll see. And and you're headed for a weekend of fun. Or a week yes, of- I'm heading to Vegas tomorrow, which is hence the reason for the COVID shot. <laughs> um, trying to avoid getting it again. Um, but yes, I will be in Vegas till um, early Sunday morning. Um, I wish I could say it was all play, but uh, primarily it's for a uh, trial lawyers university. Uh, so I will be uh, spending most of my days in lectures and learning, but then there will be some sports gambling and some um, tables that will be hit up. That's for sure. <laughs> NASCAR. Um, well, I won't be there on Sunday, so um, I'll probably um, I will be back in Tennessee, which is oddly enough. I don't think you can gamble on your phone in Vegas, so I'll have to be back mm-hmm. in Tennessee. <clears throat> in time to place my NASCAR bet on Sunday. Mm. Mm. DraftKings would miss that money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting through it fast, of course. Rod's normal open up. He's not here yet. Everybody say, welcome to Rod. Right there. That's Rod. Now, down here, yeah, over, no, it's over there. Here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an Ohio State fan, and he thinks Penn State's a big game. I'd say it's a big game. It's a game you don't want to overlook. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. Um, it's James Franklin. It it is, but you know when you got a big target on your back, they're they're going to be gunning for you. So we just you know keep our fundamentals sound. I, I think we should have no trouble with this game. Tom added Penn State has a good secondary after scoring 40-something points on them. Well, they ran the ball a lot, so that, that changes the secondary scheme. At Blake Coral, heck of a running back. All right, guys. Normally, I would wait for Rods for this, but let's talk about the World Series. And what has become the yearly story is how much money Mattress Mac has bet on the Astros if they've made it, or some other crazy bet. As I understand, Mattress Mac this year has an outrageous amount of money on the Astros. 
is he the smartest man for all this publicity or he the worst gambler in the world, Robbie Davis? Um, so this is where we need Raj. I'm pretty sure Raj has this exact, not necessarily, I don't want to use the word scam, but this, this marketing kind of genius that Mattress Mac does. Um, essentially, and I'm going to butcher it, but something to the effect of he does like a, like a, either a tax free or a no interest free of this first. 10 million in sales and then goes and bets it on a team. So essentially he can't lose. It's just where, how, where your money comes from. Um, so kudos to him. And he obviously is smarter at accounting and math than I am. Cause he does have it figured out to where he doesn't lose. Um, or if he does, it's very, a, a very negligible amount. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, but yeah, it's great publicity, great publicity for him, great publicity for, God knows the sports books and you know, you see bet MGM Caesars, uh, Barstool, all those are because they all want, Hey, you had your bet against him. And that that's, that's good for, for business. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a really, really good marketing scheme. And I'm sure, you know, he's in the Houston area, which is, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Houston. It's massive. It goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, don't know why anyone lives there, but nonetheless, I'm sure there's a lot of mattresses that are sold there. And so, yes, yeah, just a brilliant marketing s- scheme. And also he, he, on this case, he could, I think he could bet 5 million to make 75 million or 10 million and 75 million. I think he bet like 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. Chance yeah. so, to win 75 million. Yeah. yeah. If, and, and sitting pretty on that bet right now with the Astros playing the Phillies. So here's how I understood it. It was... Um, some type of, you know, buy a mattress, whatever, you get up to $3,000 back um, if the Astros win the World Series. So there's a marketing scheme right there. Get more people in the door. And also, that's going to be a tax deduction for him on that side if they win. Um, so obviously that that's helping on that side. But he hedges his bet and he takes, you know, 10 or $11 million. Now, I think it totaled out to like somebody said like twenty five million that he has to give back uh, to customers. So he hedges his bet for eleven, ten or eleven, and now he stands to make seventy five. So and he gets all this free publicity because he's putting two million dollars, and so more people are running in buying mattresses, hoping they get the, their mattress for free or three thousand back. So that was genius, and nothing illegal about it. Um, and yeah, I mean. Dude could win seventy five million dollars, so and, and it's it pretty must sweet. be a lot of fun for him too. I mean, think about no, it. It's that's gotta a lot be. of fun. Gotta be. Tom, why does nobody ever bet seventy five million on the Tigers to win the World Series? <laughs> I'll give you two reasons why, or two words: Detroit Tigers. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, that money is safely secured. Uh, should never be bet on. Although um, they brought in Scott Harris uh, as as VP. And he made a nice little move today, brought in the uh, head of uh, amateur scouting from the Tampa Bay Rays, which um, who knows? And I mean, here in, in Detroit, we're always eating cornbread, drinking the the, uh, the kitty Kool-Aid, hoping that they would, um, you know, one day win it. But um, yeah, this guy, this guy's a genius. And he started off uh, a couple years ago in the 
Buccaneers Super Bowl where he said, you know, he's going to basically give everyone their money back and if Tampa Bay won and they did. And so now I think his goal is every year to try and um, come up with a crazier bet. And uh, lo and behold, he seems to win every year. So, and mm-hmm. yeah, reading the story, if you spend 3000 or more in the Astros win, you get your money back. So um, I can only imagine, I like to look at the stats just to see uh, what his sales uptick in the last week have been since he, he uh, uh, initiated this bet. Uh, I'm sure it's through the roof. I'm sure um, mattresses are flying off the shelves, we'll say, uh, down in Houston. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a master plan, and, and it's worked for him in the past. And, you know, uh, all indications are it could possibly work for him this year. So um, I'm sure he doesn't need the money, but, hey, let's get richer. Uh, before we come off of you, Tom, kind of our one baseball guy here, uh, the story of Bryce Harper making the World Series, getting there, uh, been a lot of talk about the Phillies and Bryce Harper. Is this noise or is it, is it one of the better players getting his moment? Well, I think the one knock on Bryce Harper has always been um, maybe he wasn't the greatest teammate, um, we'll say. Obviously, started his career with Washington. He decides to uh, choose free agency and go after that big money in Philly. And that ye- first year he's in Philly, Washington wins the World Series. So um, I do believe that that weighed on him and it made him really think twice about um, his purpose in the game. Um, so the one thing I've noticed this year is, um, just, he seems to be a really good teammate. He seems to be really, uh, there for his guys and uh, leading kind of the head cheerleader. So as one of the faces of major league baseball, it it is a good story that, you know, he's going to represent the Phillies in the world series. I, I think he's a marketable name, um, which will probably give some more ratings to the world series. Um, I don't think anyone's really excited about Houston being there. Um, and Philly's kind of a, a good representation of, of the city, real blue collar, just, you know, no one really gave them a chance. And in the regular season, why would they, they kind of just, they had all the talent in the world and they just underperformed uh, until it got to the, to the postseason, And they really used their skill set, and that would be, their power hitting and, and led by Bryce Harper. So I think it's a good story. Um, it's good for baseball. Uh, and they'll need that, that figure you can kind of hold, hold, put your head on as far as uh, Harper's marketability is concerned, because let's face it, if this thing goes seven games, game seven is November 4th. And um, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, to, to just your kind of basic baseball fan. So they need something to really uh, drive home uh, viewership. And I, and I really do think that the, the Philly storyline will do that. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Philly's going to come away with it, but I didn't think they would get to this point as it is. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they, they went to game seven and won the World Series, but time will tell. Robbie, uh, him talking about this big contract in baseball, it seems impossible that $330 million over 13 years a couple of years ago was the 
largest contract in sports history, and now you have players turning down half million dollar, half billion dollar contracts. Um, baseball salary is getting out of hand. Not out of hand, but it's becoming a number the general public doesn't understand. Um, yeah, well, uh, one thing, just to step back, yeah, according to the Google machine, Matrix Mac net worth is around $300 million, so he's doing pretty well. Um, yeah, well, I saw today on, uh, I can't remember who was reporting it, though, that the Dodgers are serious contenders for Aaron Judge, and it's like, they're going to take this already loaded lineup and this already mega cap and then pay yeah probably half a billion for Aaron Judge like and this is where i think the disconnect to where baseball's losing fans is there's only so many teams that can do this and they've always been without a salary cap but man like like you know like teams like the Reds like the Twins the Tigers the you know, the Royals, like it, it's tough uh, to compete with them. And yeah, and just, I'm not going to take too much time on this. And I know that television contracts are already in place and they're playing for seven game series, but good God, be able to adapt on the fly. The world series should be tonight. No football. It should be tomorrow. No football travel on Thursday. Don't go against Thursday night football game Friday night. No football. You're going to have to play Saturday against college. Travel on Sunday, Monday. Game six and seven on Tuesday, Wednesday next week. You only have one night against football. And those ratings would soar. By the time the World Series gets here, everyday people are going to lose interest on who's even in it. If I can cut in here for a second. Um, a good indication of where baseball's at right now Um kind of piggybacking off what you said with the, the Dodgers with their exorbitant uh, salary. Um, the ALDS, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, payroll, team payroll, $37 million. And they went up against Garrett Cole, and, and his salary was $36 million. So that just goes to show you where, where we're at here uh, as far as um, some of these salaries go. Um, and, and, and also, it doesn't always pan out for those teams that have the, the crazy uh, salaries. Look at who's home. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Dodgers left out in, in the ALDS, and, and the Yankees just got absolutely embarrassed uh, against mm-hmm. Houston. So um, it, it's, it's a game where, look at Cleveland, 17 players made their major league ba- debuts this year. So it, it doesn't always – success doesn't always come into play with money. Look at my Tigers. You know, they they mortgage their future for a couple of years, giving Miggy that big contract, and it just never panned out. So uh, it, it doesn't always work, but if the Judge goes to L.A., that's scary. And they're, I mean, their payroll is going to be through the roof, record-breaking. All right, all right, Brandon, one question. And, and well, it's a good question to bring up, I think, to both sides of this. The Braves were put out in this, I guess, the divisional round. Would the Braves have got overshadowed in our region, which is the heart and soul of the Braves, if Georgia is number one 
Tennessee's number three. Alabama's number six. I almost feel like after last year's World Series run and such a magical thing, even the Braves in the NLDS was kind of like, oh, no, we're in the middle of college football. You can't bother with this right now. Yeah, it would have definitely played second fiddle, uh, especially in our local region where you guys are and and myself um, with with all the Vols fans running around here, just how well they're playing right now. Yeah, and, and, and Georgia. In Georgia, uh, but Georgia's been good the last couple of years. Georgia was good last year, and I mean, obviously, uh, and and the Braves were still a story. So, um, it, I still think they would have been in the mix, though. And to be honest, me is not you know kind of a casual baseball fan. When it starts getting down to the end, that, that's when I actually start paying attention a little bit more. So I've watched some some more baseball you know, this last half of the month than I have in, you know, probably all year. Um, but it's entertaining, though, when it comes down, you know, pitch by pitch, and you got a hot team that wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs in Philly. Um, you know, everyone wrote them off, and, yeah. you know, bat, bats are on fire right now. Um, pitching is sustaining, and their offense is just exploding. Uh, so, uh, you know, now they're going to face – you know, arguably, arguably the best bullpen, you know, on the sheet. So uh, we'll see. But um, I think it's going to be an entertaining matchup. But yeah, to your point, I I don't think they'd be. They'd probably be second behind the Vols in our our immediate local region. But I know we'd be talking about it on this broadcast if. Uh, you know, if the if the Braves were in the World Series right now, that would probably be um, right next to Tennessee. Probably Braves first, just because it's World Series. So, yeah, you know, I know the guy that does the program, and we probably would be talking about the Braves. Yeah, exactly. I know the guy that makes the agenda. So, yeah. <laughs> but, probably- but, the, but the point is, like, could you imagine, like, and I know the NFL is king, and so maybe it's not fair to judge things by that. But even the college football playoff, like let's take that, say the second biggest sport, second or third biggest. During that week, you're talking about that. It's not an afterthought. The, the World Series, like we're already talking about where Judge is going to go next year or, um, you know, what's happening. Like, sure. They just don't do a great job of putting it out there and, and marketing it. The, it's no, the World it's- Series versus week eight of the NFL. It should be the, the hot topic, but it's not. Yeah, to your point. I mean, they – and we've talked about this till you know, days on the end, that the scheduling has been a problem, especially – and it happens with the NBA as well. But Yeah, the NBA, um, NBA runs into it too. It's, it's an easy fix, really. Just, I mean, dodge the nights where there's not – like no one wants to go watch reruns of Walking Dead, you know, when you could watch a World Series game too. You know, it's like just – Make it happen, like I don't, you know, keep everyone entertained. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, like, I, I agree with you, though. Yeah, because like th- th- these baseball teams, they own the stadium, so like they can. There's nothing booked in there. There's nothing to prevent them from playing right now. Get right. Fox, hey, bump, bump off what you're doing, or ESPN, whoever's got this contract. Even what was it? I think Harper made a statement. He was like five days in between 
games he's like that's way too long like what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah they're on a heater right now they when you're in baseball and you're on a heater you want to keep playing and playing that's, and keep that mojo going well you do not want to take days off both the, the 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 dodgers and the braves both fell victim to that exactly they, and we talked about that possibly being and, a consequence yeah having to sit out and, and go, wait. Back, go back to 2006 when my tigers were in the world series they sweep Oakland, and and they they're off for seven days before the first pitch of the World Series. And guess what? They got they got hit hard by St. Louis. They they came in there and they put it to them because they, they lost that momentum. So there's there's mm-hmm. definitely something to be said with momentum, and Philly has it. Uh, the 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 difference here is both teams will have the same amount of time off, which will kind of even keel it. So you know, we'll see. They will, but. You look at the postseason, I mean, Astros haven't lost a game. So they're they're in a little different form. They're almost in cruise control. That's when I think Philly could could really sweep up on them or you know, and take it yeah. to a game seven. They have Astros. It was that, uh, Astros that Rock, could wake that up from team too. That I can't remember seventeen or oh seven, that Rockies team that got hot and then they mm-hmm. cooled down and the Red Sox they matched a better team and that momentum got killed and the Red Sox sweeped them. Yeah. Or swept them. It it happens because it's yeah. obviously on paper, Astros is by far the better team. But uh, it, as we know in baseball, it is not the better team that wins World Series. Nope. nope. All right. Let's move on to World Series. I will add this. I think part of what hurt the national appeal of the World Series, no Braves Dodgers. I really think that was – I think that was very highly anticipated. But I want to move on. I can see that. We are one week from the college football playoffs. And there's a site that I've subscribed to. It's not on your agenda. It's just released what the projected playoffs would be if they were released right now. I thought there was something very interesting in this. And I want to get your gut reaction around the table when I read this. Uh, and I will go from the top down. Uh, and if you've got a reaction, just, just. Are you know, going six to one or one to six? One to six. Okay. Number one, seven and oh, strength of schedule, 84. The Georgia Bulldogs. Defending national champions. Huh. Justified with the strength of schedule of 84, don't know, but I think that's going to get better starting this weekend. Number two, with a strength of schedule of 81, everybody's been critical, but 81, Ohio State, number two. At number three, with a strength of schedule of 16, Tennessee Vols. Number four, with a strength of schedule of 80, Michigan. Number five, with a strength of schedule of 56, Clemson. And number six, with a strength of schedule of seventh, and also one loss, Alabama. Oh, whoa, wow. They're ahead of no-loss Oregon. I mean, no-loss TCU, 
which I am shocked by. If the projections came out, would have Alabama sixth, TCU seventh. Uh, and, and the big number is the strength of schedule number for Alabama. Gut reaction. Is if, Oregon eight? Is Oregon eight in this poll? Uh, Oregon would be eight. Oklahoma State nine. USC 10. Um, if this was the playoff poll tonight releasing, how would you feel about it, each one of you? We'll go with – Robbie, you seem to have the most ingested so far. What would you think uh, if this was the playoff poll? Uh, I mean, look, it's it's entertainment show – would I do I agree with it? No, um, I agree with the top four. I don't agree with the order though. I think that um, based on strength of schedule and who you've beaten, and this isn't a homer play. That and I'm not sure they're the best team in the country. I'm just going by what they've done so far. Uh, Vols are one. Um, UGA's got the best win on the season, though, against Oregon, and that was a beatdown. So I got them second. And then you can give me Ohio State-Michigan either way you want it. Um, I think Ohio State, they scheduled tougher with Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's not very good, but that's not their fault. Um, But the good thing is those four are going to play themselves out. Um Alabama being ahead of TCU, I I don't agree with that. Not that I don't think Alabama's not better than TCU, but at this stage, Alabama hasn't beaten anyone really that, you know, moves the needle. Um, I think I put TCU over Clemson also. Um, and so I would go – so my rankings would be Vols, Georgia – Ohio State, just I think they're better on the eye test than Michigan, then TCU, then Clemson, then Alabama, Oregon, Oklahoma State, and I'm fine with USC right there for right now. So to look at it a little different, uh, the football power index, which would be part of this, lists the teams as in this order. Uh, Ohio State would be the number one team. Number two would be Georgia. Number, uh, excuse me, number one would be Ohio State, Ohio State. Number two would be Alabama. Number three would be Georgia. Number four would be Michigan. And number five would be Tennessee. Uh, a little, 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 uh, as a home. No, look, there, there's some. There's some credibility to that. I mean, if you want to argue it, that's fine because we did see Tennessee in an unbelievable atmosphere played probably their A game and only won by three points, which could have easily been overtime. And who knows? Like that, yes, Tennessee has a victory, but it was not clearly the better team. If you play in Tuscaloosa, I think Alabama wins. All right. Tom, what do you think about Ohio State setting at the top of the power index, but an 86 strength of schedule? And I agree with you, Robbie. 81. 81. Sorry. I'm I'm shocked that the strength of schedule is only one spot higher than Michigan because 
Uh, as many of you know, I've been a huge opponent of Michigan's uh, schedule choice this year. Uh, thought it was very weak, and I and I do still think it could come back to bite them uh, in the long run. Um, but let's face it, uh, college football tends to be a popularity contest. Um, obviously, with Alabama sitting where they're at, ahead of you know two, three teams that are undefeated and who have looked really good this year. Um, so I think that that is a certain situation you have with Ohio State. Um, you take last week's game against Iowa. I mean, I don't think there was anybody in the house that uh, thought they looked like world beaters in that first half. They were only, you know, they were up by 16, but they didn't play really well. They came out, they put up 54 points or 56, one of the two. Um, and really the big question was, what's wrong with Ohio State? Uh, so when they win by, you know, let's say – um, 46, 42 points, um, people still question. I think that just goes to show you their, their talent level and, and their expectations that a lot of uh, people around the country have with them. Uh, albeit they've got, you know, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the country um, who seems to be able to flip a switch when whatever he wants to play. You know, okay, I, all right, I, boom, 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 four touchdowns in a no matter of time. Uh, Stroud has that ability. So it doesn't surprise me that Ohio State sits up there. I, I don't agree with it. Um, I, Georgia has not really been pressured a whole lot, though they didn't cover in a couple games. Um, but I think Tennessee's issue that a lot of people have with them as an outsider looking in is for as good of an offense they have, their defense is a little little bit suspicious. and um, But like we talked before last week, Randall, when they needed to make a stop, they did. And you look at what they've been able to accomplish this year, they've met the challenge each, each time. And this week's going to be no different. You know, you can't look past Kentucky uh, beyond, you know, Georgia. But um, for me, I, I – I, 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 not surprised with Ohio State being, you know, what some think would be number one. The the differential to me from one to four, it there isn't much. Um, I I don't think there's been a, a hiccup game, we'll say, by any of them. Um, for all the question marks that Michigan might have had, I think they've kind of been put to rest. I think their biggest question mark could be at quarterback. Um, JJ McCarthy's very raw, but he's got the skill set to to you know, to do really well. And when you have the backfield that they have, um, it gives you a lot more of an opportunity. So I think the differential from one to four, there isn't much. And like Robbie said, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, let's just say they play uh, both undefeated. You know, how far are they going to drop? Georgia, Tennessee will play each other. So, um, you know, really this is just for uh, knuckleheads like us to talk about the first college football poll ranking. Um We'll see here in about a month from now where everyone sits because, you know, it, it might look a lot different. All right, Brandon, I'll ask you the same question. Knowing that you're an Ohio State fan, is Michigan underrated? Um, well, I personally underrated them, especially at the beginning of the season. Uh, are they underrated? Now, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, I like the top four. Um, here's the thing, though. This is uh, this is nothing but like media marketing at this point because 
you can sit here and make a valid argument for for pretty much the top six. All right. So everybody wants to complain when a team is ranked preseason ranked and their rankings stay there and they don't play anybody and then you know they don't move very far. But then when you get teams that get beat that are in the preseason rankings up high, it's like, well, they they weren't very good this year and they shouldn't have been ranked that high. And that so you, I mean you get you can go back and forth. It's never in circle. It's like personally I don't think Alabama is nowhere near what the Alabama we've seen in the past years. Um, they almost lost to both Texas and Texas A and M. Um, should have lost to Texas if yours was healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, at Tennessee, that I think you know they're the most penalized team in college football. And they also they had what nineteen penalties for like almost three hundred yards or something in that game. And a lot of that effect was. Let's let's say the truth here. Neyland Stadium and the crowd and the hype and you know that help help cause those penalties. But these kids are are different than what you you typically see out of a saving team. So uh, you know, should Alabama have been preseason ranked that high? You know, like you can make that argument both sides. So I think you have to really just look at the eye test and look at the talent you see. Like, uh, look, we get it. The the Big Ten is is not as good as the SEC right now. And so some of the teams that we have to play conference or, you know, both sides are just not going to be, uh, you know, like a Kentucky or, you know, some other close team like that. But um, you still, you still go out and you got to play the game and you got to, you got to win. And, you know, you play in some hostile environments when you get targets on your back, like Ohio state, Michigan. And, um, but I, you know, for me right now, the top four, let's see, Georgia almost lost to Missouri. And that, you know, that's another one that's, that kind of lingers. Um, before that game, I thought they were the clear and head favorite by, you know, a mile. And this year's there's not really a clear and head favorite that you can say this team is better than they can not be beat. And I mean, really – I'm not a Clemson fan. I want to throw them out of there mm-hmm. for sure. They just uh, don't look very good or put together. They have a quarterback. Listen, like let ACC me ask you guys this question. So whack. If you put Clemson in the SEC or the Big Ten, could they win it? No. No. Okay. They so might be in the Big Ten East. Could they? They would probably finish third or fourth uh, overall in the Big Ten, they, and they would probably so finish. The, Fifth in the SEC. So I don't think Clemson this year could win either division of the SEC. They couldn't win the the East of the Big Ten. Maybe they could win the West. Here's the um, question. Here's the thing, though. If they went out, they're going to be in. Yeah, because they go back to the popularity contest. It's, it's Clemson. Uh, that's what I'm saying. And so, they're, they're a big market, and it's Clemson. And same yeah. thing. If Oregon wins out right now. Oh, so, so this is my question. This is my question. They could potentially guys. be in. So, uh, not, not, not who else is going to do what, but let's say, so let's say Michigan goes to at Ohio State last week of the season. They lose by twenty-one. I'm just picking that number. So Michigan at Ohio State loses by twenty-one. Is that loss? How does that compare to Oregon's loss in a neutral but Atlanta site? 
losing to Georgia by 46. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to make – But it's always been what happens late in the season at yeah. the end of the year. It has nothing to do with the – if you're going to lose, you lose early. early. You lose always early. lose early. It has nothing – if you lose late in the year, that's the last no. thing on people's so, mind. So are we all in agreement? Oregon jumps Michigan under that circumstance. I would if they went out. Yeah, if they went out. Yeah, I. Unfortunately, that that's the flaw in the system, and it. it um, and the, let's it. face and let's face it too. Our our Pac-12 representative isn't here with us tonight, but Pac-12 has looked really good. Utah's kind of except for that they lost bad to UCLA, but. And that um, Florida loss. UCLA, who, who came in uh, as the, you know, the, the, the UCLA's played strong. Yeah. And then Oregon, you know, dismantled them. So I think the Pac 12 hasn't gotten the due they deserve this year. So I think if Oregon wins out, yeah, I mean, they deserve to be higher than what well, they should. Clemson's going to ruin this party because Clemson's going to get in and they don't deserve it. No. Yeah. I, I'm going to make an outlandish statement. We'll see how it plays out. I fully believe someone gets in either Ohio State, Michigan, or Tennessee, or Georgia for losing a closer game than the other. And we'll see how it plays out. But I think the fourth team in the playoff is whoever loses that game and looks the best. That That's who it should be? Yeah. And uh, I would 100% back that, but is that what's going to happen? Well, We've seen I, the past. So it it will have it. to be – in that scenario, Michigan has to beat Ohio State because mm-hmm. Tom was hit the nail on the head. Michigan did themselves zero favors. Their their schedule is horrible. They, they just won't have any good wins. We tried to have a good schedule with Notre Dame. I mean, they were pre-ranked. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you can't, you can't predict when you're now scheduling it's like, that well, Brian Kelly's going to leave and there's a new coach, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio State schedule. Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, Iowa to this point. I know the, I know the stats. How 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 both of these schools avoided Purdue this year blows my mind. Michigan, they they play in a different division, so they'll play them every other year. That's kind of how. Well, I mean, I know that's why they're both been good this year. Because heaven forbid, Um, play Purdue. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, Penn State. Are uh, now look, Tennessee played Pitt. Georgia played Oregon. Alabama played Texas. Ohio State attempted to play Notre Dame. Should Michigan be punished for not scutting up a one out of conference game that's of value? And it I think yeah. I think that is gonna be maybe their undoing. If like they do what Robbie said, you know, they could do is lose by, you know, a, exceptional amount you know come the end of the uh november there um i i think the the pollsters are going to look at that and say that really you know who was their tough you know competition they're not going to give any credit if they beat michigan state because look at where they're at um 
Yeah, Penn State. They got Penn State at home, Michigan State at home, Illinois at home. They went to Iowa. Um, you know that. You know Iowa's Iowa. You know then you look at Illinois, but ultimately on the grand scheme of things, that it, that's not impressive enough to keep them in in my estimation. And the thing about it is, Michigan usually has a really tough. And I have gotten on them in the past about how tough their usually their first or second game of the season is. And um, this year they just, I don't know what it was. They just didn't do it. They didn't have anything planned. And, um, but you know, I ultimately, I, I, I don't like that hanging over their head. That's part of Hallbar's Har balls contract. <laughs> Can't well, if you look, at, <laughs> if you look at 2006, we'll go back to, to, to a time 2006 game, Chad Henney, Goes to Columbus. This was probably one of the best Michigan Ohio State games that that I can recall. Um, Michigan loses forty two to thirty nine. They make a valiant comeback in the fourth. I believe Michigan was one and Ohio State was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is, all they should have did was flip flop. The BCS screwed Michigan, in my opinion. I know I'm a Michigan fan, but they did enough. No, I totally to, agree. They oh, did enough that in year that Florida season. Came up? What's that? That the year Florida came up and then smacked Ohio State in the championship game. I'm not game? sure, but yeah, yeah well, I think it was, was. That was a scenario where both Michigan, Ohio State, one and two, and for Michigan to drop further because I think they dropped them out of the top five, which was absurd. Um, so I can see a scenario like that that should happen, but it's not going to. I don't think it'll happen. Robbie, do, do the SEC teams get reward, rewarded for the conference being good? I mean, just when you play the conference, you're going to play – and not a criticism of the Big Ten. Normally, you get that in the Big Ten. But Tennessee uh, – let's take let's take Tennessee, for example, because I know their schedule yeah. often. They've played at LSU, Alabama at home from the other side. They've played Florida from the east. They're playing Kentucky, a ranked team this week, and Georgia, a ranked team in two weeks. They played Pitt too at Pitt. So yeah, yeah. that was tough. Well, well, let, let, let's not get it twisted. That Pitt was tougher than Florida, in my opinion. Yeah. Florida was was not, not good get, this year. Let's not get it twisted. The SEC teams look recruiting rankings say one thing, the polls say one thing. The elephant in the room, and bad play on words for Alabama, but it's our television partners, right? Like, look, ESPN, I would be shocked the first, if it's a two-loss SEC champion, a three – like, that team's getting in because of who our television partners are. And they're, they're going to make – and so, yeah, so ESPN – like, well – as you see, they do have the best teams, especially this year, the collection of them from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be ranked more because there's going to be more buzz about them. If it's a 23-ranked team versus a 26-ranked team, oh, it's much better for TV for them to be ranked 23. Yeah, um, especially so, with the new Big Ten deal coming up. So, yeah. and You're gonna we're going to see a lot more of that politicking going on later in – but I think, you know, if they go to the – didn't they sign for a 12-team uh, or something or talk the about play, Yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, it's playoffs. expanding. Um, yeah. But ESPN is um, still going to have the broadcast rights. And so 
and well, that at least but, to the next tier. Yeah, they're going to advocate for their their people in there. Um, I mean, you can't have anything nice without politics. So yeah, but I mean, but but with that being said, look, Tennessee, look, they beat at LSU, they beat at Pittsburgh, they uh, beat Alabama. Let's say they beat Kentucky, and then. Look, the winner of the Georgia game, Georgia Tennessee game, in my opinion, I think they're in. I do. Even if they, especially if it's Tennessee, and their only loss is to a team they've already beaten. I agree. Yeah, if Tennessee beats Georgia, uh, and they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship, they're both in. Yeah, because because how can you say those aren't the two best teams? Yeah. Well, and two again, of the four. They 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 want two SEC teams in there. If there's any come hell or high water, they can do it and make yeah. it look legit on paper. They're getting in. Could you have the first ever um, two SEC, two Big Ten? Yes. Wouldn't that be sweet? I think I think those I don't are think the four so. best teams. But I do too. The the, the schedule, Michigan schedule. I just well, don't and that's think the that, thing. It's like, especially with Clemson and TCU. TCU needs to lose, and Clemson needs to lose, and just get the at least compare one loss to one loss. I don't want undefeated ACC and an undefeated Big Twelve with these shit division or shit conferences, and then you you just get in because you you don't play anybody. Well, well that's such if, a if if you get a uh, a Chuck Woolery uh, two and two SEC Big Ten team. Uh, in the uh, college football playoffs, um, you, how, what does that look like for uh, the teams outside looking in that are thinking about maybe joining the the Big Ten super conferences? Mm-hmm. Oh well, this makes it even all more the reason why we need. Yeah, to- this is why you should uh, yes. look. It, it, you go to the end of the year, it's just like we were talking about earlier, and you talk about. All right, you had a close loss, but it was the end of the year, and all of a sudden you're out, and you've got this, you know, Clemson team that is garbage, in my opinion, this year. Uh, just slides in because they're undefeated record. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it's so biased, and I just I try and take all all of that out of it and just look at the eye test. Actually, watch the games, look at the talent on the field. Uh, and, and make judgments from that. But apparently that can't happen when, you know, 80% of college football people know what's going on. And, and there's another thing, like I said, just of the money thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, a, a, a college football, um, you know, say they, they go where the money's at, the, you know, they want the money. Is there a, a, a school out there that travels as good as Michigan, you know, that that anywhere you go, mm. representation. I, I'm, mm. I'm just saying, like it, it's if it's about money, wouldn't you want that team representing? Sure. Michigan travels well. The, the combination in Miami last year. I mean, it was it was you know a good percentage so, of that Michigan fans. Um, so so but, Clemson, Clemson's got at Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina. So one road game left at a mediocre Notre Dame game, then three at home. I don't see how they any of those teams beat them. Uh, and, and somebody gave them a number one ranking. They got one number one pick. 
in the in the the AP. He must be an alumni. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we're about an hour in. I want to run through a few games before we get to bet your nuts. And, and we've got another little segment I want to get in, which is some good news from college sports. Uh, first of all, let's start with a game that, that normally means a whole lot, but it I, I never – I've been to this game – and it, the atmosphere is just unreal. Um, they split the stadium down the middle. Half of it is red and black. The other half is orange and blue. There is nothing like the what used to be called the world's largest cocktail party. But is there any chance Florida can go to Jacksonville and beat Georgia? Uh, and Robbie left. Sorry. Uh, that was a Robbie question. Uh, <laughs> Anyone else, uh, Tom? I I mean, you look at uh, Anthony Richardson, he's kind of the, the, the wild card. You have a quarterback that has the ability to to make plays with his legs, and, and I think the only way they have an opportunity to possibly get a win is with uh, Richardson running the ball. Um, he's going to be forced out of the pocket quick, uh, we all know Georgia has a pretty stifling front defense, and um, that will be the one way that Florida could possibly have a chance. Um, but other than that, no, I, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Robbie, anything on uh, or chain? Either one of you, Michigan or Florida, Georgia. I mean, Georgia's a twenty-two and a half point favorite. Look, this game can get weird. There's been some upsets in the past. There's been some taunting penalties early. Um, but in reality, man, Florida's just not that good. They're one and three in the SEC, four and three overall. Um, like Tom said, unless Richardson just goes nuts and has a game of his life. But even then, I think Georgia can control the clock enough to keep him off the field. I just – no, this, this would be a gigantic upset, in my opinion. Well, evidently, if you go to Alexa and ask her when it's the World Series, she'll say in 2022, the Philadelphia Phillies win the World Series. Ooh. Somebody was smart enough to hack that. <laughs> Brandon. Florida Georgia line. Ask you what? Don't you ask him? Nope. You, you got anything on Georgia? Florida, yeah, absolutely. I do. <laughs> so, never ask. All right, who do you think is a better team, Missouri or Florida? Question for the poll, the Florida guys here. Florida, okay, Florida. Georgia almost lost to Missouri. Mm-hmm. Can they lose to Florida? Absolutely, yeah, it's very possible. Um, and I think Tom hit the nail on the head. Richardson's the key, um, he's got a very high upside. Uh, if they don't account for him, he can throw the ball pretty well too. And his completion percentage, I think it's somewhat low, but, um, you know, it's a game of his life right now. So can, can they beat them? They have nothing to lose. Could I see that happening? Absolutely. Do I expect it to happen? Not really, but man, I'm rooting for it. Uh, I can tell you that. Who's who's at more risk of a look ahead game, Tennessee or Georgia? Georgia. 
Yeah. Tennessee also. I think it's the first time they've been here in what since 08 in this type of position. Um, yeah. Tennessee has nothing to lose right now. They're on fire. They're rolling. I mean, they've already beat Alabama. They've had their season Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. no offense to you, you guys in the fan. Now, I know you guys want to win and go as far as you can, but if you don't, would you call that a losing season or a bad oh, season? Oh, no. Yeah, that's house Absolutely. money. Here yeah, on out. Exactly. House it's money. house money right now. Now, Georgia's got – they've had some slip-ups, and they've been exposed, so – Watch out, Florida. Florida could do that. And what does that scenario look like if Florida beats Georgia? Now, what are we talking about? We're talking. I mean, LSU. yeah, exactly. Well, now you're trash. talking about two Big Ten teams being a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we flipped the script Florida, a little bit. Huh? Georgia beat Tennessee, then Alabama beats Georgia, then Alabama's a standalone. Now right. it gets crazy. Now, no, there's all kind of reckless speculation we could do, uh, but we'll see. Now, you know, don't put your money on Florida, guys, unless it's just a money you intend on losing. But um, we call that man. chain money. <laughs> I just, I just, I might sprinkle a little on the money line. Yeah, <laughs> there is absolutely no hope. But Michigan plays suck is coming. I mean, tuck is coming. Uh, oh my god. Is this going to be a 40-point blowout? Probably. Well. Nobody's got a story on this one. Well, Michigan is infamous for laying an egg. And this this particular week, Donovan Edwards had to, you know, get in front of the camera and say they were going to win this week. Should Michigan win? Yeah, they should. Um, Are they a better football team? Not even close. Um, but this rivalry has has really gotten um, heated in the last few years, specifically the last two years. I think Michigan losing last year when they, they dominated a good portion of that game, if not for a very questionable um, uh, call in the, I believe it was the third quarter when uh, Peyton, Thor- Peyton uh, got sacked and his uh, his ankle hit the ground, and they called him uh, down uh, inadvertently. Ojabo got the uh, ball in the end zone, scored a touchdown. If that call would have stood, I think the the um, the result would have been different. But needless to say, they had Kenny Walker, uh, who played out of his mind. I, I I thought he earned the Heisman after that game. But um, I think Michigan is not forgetting that game. Um, and I think it still weighs on them, even though they did go and win the Big Ten championship. So I, I think there's a lot at stake in this game. And I, th- I think Michigan needs to come out and really play like they don't normally do. They have tendencies to to um, get a lead and uh, play to not lose. I think this is a week where you need to get a lead and build on that lead. Take a little page out of the Ryan Day book of uh, uh, offensive play calling and just just run run up the score uh, because uh, these Spartan fans, God, God bless them. But the whole tuck coming uh, needs to be put, put to bed because uh, tuck's going to be leaving Ann Arbor with a loss. I have been on the side of saying tuck is the worst hire in college football. And we will see. Not named Jimbo Fisher. 
I think it's worse than Jimbo Fisher. It could be. Uh, I agree. Three um, games, I think, are the three games that really could play part of a potential huge upset. Well, I don't know if this one's a potential huge upset, but Oklahoma-Kansas State, I think, is a really good football game. Kansas yeah. State goes unnoticed every year until they're 7-1, and 6-2. and two. Uh, Taylor Martinez, the Nebraska transfer. This group is a good football team in Kansas State. And it's being played at Kansas State? It is, but – Adrian Martinez is questionable. Um, he, he, as we know, he got injured um, the last game, so th- I think that's kind of what's playing with the line right now. It's looking like he's going to play, but you know, if he doesn't, totally different. That's not. It's a whole different ball game, and Oklahoma State has been pretty good on the under, uh, being the underdog. So I wouldn't count. Gundy out quite yet. Um, if Martinez plays, I think K State's got it. Uh, I'm assuming he does play, and I'm assuming he's healthy. But that's kind of been my uh, right. operandi all week. Um, the last thing I read is he was likely to play. Is right. what. So, um, but you know, at is he eighty five percent? Is he a hundred? And and that's going to have a little bit of an effect on the game. But I mean, he's definitely a better decision maker back there uh, for K State. So we'll see. Tom or Robbie, we didn't get you anything on this. We'll come, Tom. K State, Oklahoma State. Are you talking to me? Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting game. Um, sorry, I had a little sneezing fit. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, uh, really well coached, but it's in the Little Apple. Um, K-State's favors, even though being ranked lower. I think this is one of these that uh, Mike Gundy wins, and you're just still like, why can't they get over the hump? But um, I'll take uh, – the Cowboys in this one. Outside of the Tulane upset, K-State's played pretty good. But, Tom, what's your thought? I I like I like Oklahoma State here. A little um, foreshadowing for Bet Your Nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think Oklahoma State has really proven um, that their, their defense, although questioned, has held up when they need it to. And and they put up the points, um, and, and they're they're going to need to come back and get this game if they want to keep up, you know, in the rankings. So yeah, I I like Oklahoma State here. Uh, for like what Brandon said, where's Martinez? Is he eighty five percent? Is he ninety percent? Um, you know they're going to key on him, so there'll be a lot of blitzing. And and Martinez is a type of quarterback to you know they you know a, a, a guy they rely on his legs to make plays. You take that out. Um, I think that there goes about half of your offensive production. So give me Oklahoma State uh, to go down there and, and, and pull it off. I, them being an, an underdog kind of surprises me. Um, but, you know, the, the odds makers know more than we do. So, Well, look, I mean, they, beat, they were underdogs at Baylor. 
Mm-hmm. They were underdogs uh, against Texas last week. They almost beat TCU in overtime. I mean, you put Gundy as an underdog, especially higher rank. Uh, man, I, it's hard to bet against him right now. And I, another thing, he's a man. He's over 40, so that, that, that makes it <laughs> even more dangerous. <laughs> greatest oh, well, greatest well said. in sports well history. Said. Oh, man. I'm I bet still to this day, greatest. greatest. Uh, it's up there. Next sure. to uh, Jim Mora and playoffs? playoffs. Yeah, I was going to say that's my favorite that, one. That, those are playoffs. those are down in history. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, Ohio State got to go on the road to Penn State. Penn State historically plays better in Happy Valley. After getting raked by Michigan. Can James Franklin put together enough to make this game close? Huge number. I was almost surprised by the number. I expected double digits, but I just looked on my app, 16 and a half. I thought 12 and a half, 10, 10 and a half, 11. I thought I'd be there. Tom, you're, you, you are the – anti-Ohio State guy, so I'll let you take the first words. Well, James Franklin proved what I think everyone knew this week. Uh, he might be the biggest, um, sorriest loser in, in all of college football, going on his little rant about the tunnel issue um, You know that took place a couple weeks ago here in uh, Michigan. But um, they looked pretty good last week. They they looked really good last week, Penn State. They 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 you know they uh, coming off a of dismantling here. They showed a lot. They showed a lot. Um, it, it helps that their quarterback's like thirty seven years old. Um, <laughs> uh, they've got some talent. The fact that this game is at noon, I think we were talking about it earlier, um, definitely helps Ohio State. Does you don't get that that whiteout effect that, you know, that, that amplification that, that happy Valley tends to bring. I know Michigan went down there a couple years ago. It was an eight o'clock kick and that whiteout really um, made a difference. So the fact that it's, it's a noon kick, um, I think definitely advantage Ohio state. Um, This will probably be one of the better, although they're ranked 63rd, It'll be one of the better defenses, specifically secondaries, that Ohio State would would see. I know Notre Dame put a test to them in week one, but they've kind of fallen off uh, the plateau there. So uh, I agree, QB1. I think that the number is ridiculous. Uh, Ohio State's definitely going to go in there and win because uh, there's there's definitely been uh, Saban-like adjustments at halftime that Ryan Day has been able to do, kind of kickstart his team whether or not he's, he's playing episodes of Yellowstone in the locker room uh, during halftime is, you know, remains to be seen. But um, I like Penn State to put up a fight. Uh, Ohio State will go in there and win, and uh, they'll just keep on rolling. They'll find a way. I don't know about 16, though. That's pretty high. It's a big number. All right, Robbie Davis. Um, yeah, I'm taking the other side. I think this isn't high enough of a number. Um, I think Ohio State rolls. Look, they're just better. They're better coach. Jim, uh, James Franklin's getting into kind of this Jimbo Fisher kind of realm of you did great at one school. Now you come to this other school with more pressure. And 
what have you really done? Um, you know, he wins the games he's supposed to. He'll make upset every once in a while. But overall, like, can you say this James Franklin era at Penn State's been a success? Look, they haven't won their division. Um, at, I mean, just that's enough. They haven't won their division um, in what eight years or something now. Um, <laughs> they, they won. They won the. Um, they won the Rose Bowl. What? Three years ago, four years. Am I ago? wrong about that? Possibly, I am wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm not giving him credit. Maybe he did get to the Rose Bowl. Um, oh, it was Saquon Barkley, right? Was that the year? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So he has won a division. Apparently, he's won a conference championship. So sorry, James. Um, reckless speculation. But no, I mean, I, I just think Ohio State's a lot better. I think, yeah, if it was a night game, I give the Penn State crowd a little bit more credit. But um, I think Ohio State rolls in this one. They're just gonna they, they're gonna be on a mission to show they're one of the top four teams in the country the rest of the way out, Mister Buckeye. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Robbie. You just look at the eye test here. Uh, we're way more talented on both sides of the ball. And, um, again, it wasn't a – going back to Tom's quote, it wasn't a uh, taking something out of Ryan Day's playbook, just try and beat him. It's uh, Woody Hayes. And after he went for two when we were beating the crap out of uh, one of our foes, it was – why did you go for two? He said, because we couldn't go for three. And, you know, you run the score up on teams that you just absolutely hate. Penn State's one of those that I hate. I don't know if they're going to run the score up on them, but I think 16 is too low. I think they come in and make a statement here. Um, has to be. At this point, this late in the game, you're about to get to the playoff rankings. Um, there's there's no, no holding back at this point. And, you know, everybody – doesn't like James Franklin. So, <laughs> 2016, he he lost the Rose Bowl, so he won the Big Ten yeah. and lost the Rose Bowl. It just, That's I mean, so you know, and we can play back strength of schedule and all this stuff for the rank based on your rankings of where you're at on offense and defense and all that. That that all plays a factor. Apparently, it, it doesn't to some people and. So Penn State, yeah, 63rd in defense, 49th in offense. So they're going to have to put up some points because um, you know we will. We're number two in the country in offense, number four uh, in – or number two in defense and number four in offense, um, according to certain sites. So we'll see. All right, last game. Uh, and I will go ahead and get my opinion out of the way. I'm scared to death for this game. I don't know why. Uh, it's kind of like Robbie said. Uh, we're playing with house money, and I, I can play. I could play with house money after Alabama or after Florida playing Alabama. Uh, I can play with house money next week against Georgia. I, as a fan, fear this game. I don't know why, but um, – should take care of business, but buddy, I'm I'm a nervous wreck. So it's the Purdue of the SEC. I mean, they could trip you up right here. You never know. Look, uh, well, look, your offense is good. Um, 
I mean, really good. They're number one total offense in the country, 571 yards per game. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Hinton Hooker is arguably the top candidate for Heisman. Uh, you got UK. Their their defense is pretty good. That's going to be a little bit of the matchup there. I still think you're going to put enough points on the board um, to not have a problem with them. So I would still, you know, treat this game with respect, but it's a game if if you stay fundamentally sound, Tennessee should win this game, no problem. I think it'll be it'll be like the Kansas State game. You know, I think it all weighs on um, Martinez's health. How healthy is Will Levis? I know he's got sure he's he's got a hand issue. Uh, he's he's gotten beat up all year. And we're talking about a quarterback that some say is is, is the 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 most NFL ready. I don't know if I believe that, but um, how healthy will Will Levis be? And and you know if he's healthy and he's ready to sling it downfield. You know, that, that, that could make it a little bit more uh, dicey. But I think you look at the situation offensive-wise, Tennessee's going to put the points up. Can Kentucky match? Uh, I, I don't see it unless Will Levis is just having uh, a showcase NFL-type game and, and, and nobody's covering. They're getting no uh, you know pressure from the Tennessee defense. But I, I just don't. I think – you know, is Hillman coming back? Your number one receiver is. Will he be back? Uh, even if he's not, Tennessee has proven that they've got enough weapons at the receiver position to um, match with anybody in the country. So, I, I Tennessee should be able to win this one. Yeah, this this is this is who can make the other play out of their comfort zone, and and this is where Tennessee's offense has been brilliant all year long. Is they have made people play out of their comfort zone and they've put the pedal to the metal and they've stretched them out. And look, Kentucky's averaging 26.4 points a game. Tennessee's averaging 50.1. Now that comes into play about pace of play and can Kentucky slow down. Last year in Lexington, I think Tennessee only held the ball for 13 or 18 minutes of the game and put 50 on them. So it's a matchup kind of, look, if you want to run the ball, it's fine. Our defense, yeah, they're 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 not good because they're on the field a lot. But yeah. unless they can stop Tennessee, it's going to be a long night. I, look, it's night in Neyland Stadium, um, a blackout Halloween weekend. Uh, it's going to be rocking. I, I'm not worried about this game. Well, that, so if you look at the defensive ranking, like UK is ranked 14th, Alabama's 15th in total defense allowed. So, I mean, it's going to be somewhat similar on that that aspect of it, but the offense is completely lopsided um, versus Kentucky and, and Alabama. So that, I mean, just statistically looking at it on paper, I mean, this should be a no-brainer. I can wake up Sunday morning and have lost to Georgia and go, well, we lost to the best team in the country. We're still going to be in the playoffs more than likely. We just got to get ready for the playoffs. I hate Kentucky. I cannot wake up Sunday morning and go, we lost to Kentucky during the best run we've had in 20 years. Q, 
QB. Oh, Georgia best team in the country based on resume of who they played and beat or best on yeah. rankings? Again, you can make an argument from both sides of that. Yeah. Keep in mind, keep in mind why they don't lose this game. Coaching. Josh Heupel is the difference Absolutely. maker. Absolutely. He is the difference maker. In, and in, and in I believe he's the factor. So. Yep, that makes a difference. All right, guys, that does. And I didn't give my bet your nuts because my bet your nuts is going to be outside of those games. But I did want to take a moment. It's getting late in the show. Uh, we had a text chain this week about what's right in sports. And even Brandon said it. Oftentimes, it's really sad stories that makes the right about sports come out. But I, I sent everybody a chain out, and I said, just find something that is right about sports. And, and I'm going to start, and I'm just really proud to tell this story as a Tennessee ball and, and as a alumni that follows all these Twitters and I've gave when I've seen these in times uh, in the last three months, they or last year, they've been three different Twitter drives that were sponsored by Tennessee alum uh, or members of the Tennessee football or in one case, it was for a basketball player. And it is um, one thing to raise money um, for a cause at your school. To me, it was another thing what happened this weekend. Uh, to start with, during a last year's season, Jason Swain, a former Vol for Life, started a campaign and raised through uh, the Tennessee Twitter, through his Twitter, $102,000 that went to the East Tennessee Children's Hospital to match out the sellout crowd of Neyland. They raised $102,455 to benefit children of need in the area. We're all familiar with the Zakai Ziegler GoFundMe after his family's house burnt down in the Bronx. Uh, now with NIL, the school could actually release and be involved in a GoFundMe. Uh, they raised $300,000. And if you haven't seen the video of Zakai and his family, they left New York City, moved to Knoxville, was able to buy a home, able to give some of the money to charity, um, really emotional for his family to have a new home after a fire destroyed their house. And this weekend, uh, a, there was a young man from Martin whose family had been, uh, had lost his home to the hurricane recently, AJ Marquez. And quietly he had started a GoFundMe to help his family. And somehow uh, Danny White, the athletic director, got tagged in something and he retweeted it with basically a challenge. You know, we always talk about, you know, a university is more than a football program or whatever. It's more that it just, well, I think it was four words. He said, what about it, Vol Nation? 
and, and they raised $85,000 to rebuild his family home wow. in, in a matter of 24 hours. And I kept looking for AJ on the sidelines at the Martin game, and I, I never did get to see him. Um, his father later posted some very heartfelt words, but I was very proud of Vol Nation. Just simply a few words, you know, do your thing, raise this money. Uh, and my university and its football fans immediately responded. And that's one of the things, right, about all the jokes you hear about Tennessee football, throwing the mustard, throwing the golf balls, been a loser for 25 years. I really think my state, my people, my home, the place I'll die. When, when people are in need, we will rally like no other. So to Tennessee sports, athletics, thank you. And for the Marquez family, there's a piece of you with a bunch of balls right now. What's right about sports? Don't call it the volunteers for nothing. Yes. Who would like to go back? Tom. I'll go. So this is a story I I remember seeing a couple years ago. You know, I had a couple that I, I, you know, grew up um, on the chat. This one, I remember watching on ESPN. Uh, it was um, SEC storied, um, a documentary, um, and it's an example of how two people um, come together in the most, uh, I don't know, heartfelt ways. We'll say uh, it's a story of Chucky Mullins and Brad Gaines. Uh, back in 1989, Chucky Mullins played for Ole Miss. Uh, Brad Gaines played for Vanderbilt. He was a um, tight end. Chucky Mullins was a defensive back. This game's played at Ole Miss. There's a play up the middle um, thrown to Brad Gaines. He catches it or tries to catch it at the goal line. Chucky Mullins makes an unbelievable defensive play. Well, in the process of making the hit, he breaks his neck and um, he's paralyzed. This is where sports... Um, the beauty of it comes into play. Brad Gaines basically wears that um, uh, baggage, we'll say, of he felt responsible for for him uh, being paralyzed. Uh, long story short, uh, Brad Gaines makes it uh, maybe his his life effort to uh, become friends with Chucky Mullins, and he he kind of. Uh, walks the path with him, we'll say. They become best of friends. Um, Unfortunately, Chucky Mullins loses his life um, 11 years later to uh, blood clots in his lungs. Um, So it's it's a path, uh, two people come together uh, in in an injury, devastating injury. Um, So what caught my attention is every year on Chucky's birthday, and Christmas and all the holidays, Brad Gaines goes to his, his grave site, cleans his grave site, and he honors him that way. And it just, that story hit me. It just, it just showed that, you know what, two teams battling out after, you know, one another and, and, and no one ever really stops to think about, you know, well, you know, these players get, um, you know, wheeled off injury. What, you know, what happens with, there's the story there. And this story was so beautiful. And uh, I you know I put it on the thread and I was watching it today and just just shows you how 
there's humanity in sports and it's not always um, rivalries and, and hatred. And there's something to be said about, and, and mind you, they knew they never crossed paths at all. They never crossed paths at all. And during the funeral, one of the things that they talked about in, in, in the documentary was the team um, basically came together. They went to the funeral. They noticed Brad Gaines walking down the street and they, they, they invited Brad Gaines onto the old Miss bus um, to go with them to the funeral. And it's just like they welcomed them into their world. And um, he was forever grateful for that. But um, just we're all, you know, men were tough. Um, this documentary is, is if you're not shedding tears, if you're not getting welled up, uh, Rich Jasper would definitely be teasing me right now. Um, uh, then you're not a human being. Cause this it's, it's just such a beautiful story. How, how two people just that never knew each other. And cause of a, just a, just a terrible moment in time, uh, they become best friends and, and, and who knows, maybe, their friendship kept Chucky Mullins alive a little bit longer than, than, than he would have. But um, just definitely a, a documentary. I, I highly uh, recommend it's called it's time and it's on ESPN plus beautiful story, like of humanity and sports. It's, it's well worth the watch. You'll, you'll enjoy it. I believe I just posted it on the uh, river city media. Side, so, Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. So, uh, yeah, and I've watched that. It's very moving. Brad Gaines' life was impacted. You never think about the other person. Yeah. And, uh, and and Brad Gaines didn't hit him. Chucky Mullins was the one that hit him. And yeah. he felt the weight of, of that consequence. And he still does to this day. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, Brandon Chain, would you like to give your... Lighten uh, it up, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, so... I've got a couple, a little, little on the happier side stories. Um, one was uh, formal, formal Ohio State linebacker Ryan Shazier. Um, that story, that is, uh, with his spinal cord injury, uh, was paralyzed, told to never walk again, uh, and that moment he walked across the stage, you know, for the Steelers in the draft was, was pretty epic. Um, and just the perseverance and, you know, it, just a great heartfelt story. Um, unfortunately, obviously he, he, at least he's walking again, obviously he wanted to be back in football, but, but just didn't come that far. Uh, another one that, that did moment is, priceless when he makes that pick for the it is it is it definitely is and it's uh one of my favorite stories you know just for person and how the the Steelers organization treated that whole situation uh I think they even paid his next year's salary Mm -hmm. um which was pretty incredible something they didn't have to do um obviously uh but just just a really good heartfelt story uh if you haven't read about it or looked it up, check that out. And then the, another one. The 18 draft, the Ryan Shazier making the pick is posted on River City Media. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Another one, one of my favorite ones, this will hit home for you, uh, UT Vols, is Eric Berry. Um, oh. You okay. know, what 
perseverance this guy had in his in his whole athletic career. You know, had a great high school career. Uh, was number four in the country. Gets draft or goes to UT. I mean, just an incredible college career. Gets drafted by the Chiefs. Second season tears his ACL, and we all know how hard that is to come back from, especially a little earlier in in the years and comes back, uh, makes a pro bowl and then it's playing well, then, then gets diagnosed with cancer, uh, Hopkins lymphoma. And within seven months, he's back on the field, like back in the locker room, practicing, you know, perseveres through the adversity, um, beats cancer, comes back, and makes not one, but two Pro Bowls in consecutive seasons, uh, which is is pretty incredible. And, you know, just the, the perseverance there in that story as well. Um, you know, obviously he retired in 2018, but, um, man, what a comeback story when, when you're faced with cancer and potential death and um, – just battle through it and then not only come back and play in the NFL, make pro bowls and, and make your, your team that much better. It's pretty incredible. So uh, those are my two like feel good stories. Make you feel a little better. Uh, Eric Berry was also a, a close friend of, of a, a legendary Tennessee motivational speaker and a very good story. And made the all-decade NFL team despite only playing seven and a half years. Yep. Five-time Pro Bowler. Yes. Dude was, dude was legit. Uh, again, uh, just a great player. Robbie Davis, you're the um, – Yeah, so – and on top of that, Eric Berry, shout out. If any of our audience, any of you guys, have you have not heard a former Vol Inky Johnson speak? Um, go on YouTube and listen to him speak. He was a first round draft pick that he hurt his shoulder and essentially lost control of his left arm. Um, one of the last games he ever played, um, and then never got to play in the NFL. But he's a motivational speaker, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so when this topic came up, I was like, oh, well, yeah, I was like, oh, I want to talk about Kobe and Gigi Bryant. I was like, well, can't get through that without crying, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to talk about some bigger things um, of what happens that sports, and you look at, like, the money raised for what the NFL does and sports do for breast cancer in this month of October – Good point. Just this huge out, outreach. And then now this whole in racism. And then Randall touched on Zakai Ziegler and, you know, giving, uh, you know, the, the fans giving his house. Um, and all that's great. And then, but now I want to touch on something that's more global that sport has brought to our attention. And that's Brittany Griner and her situation in Russia. And it's not whether she broke the law or not. It's whether, like, don't take for granted the due process that we get here. 
And so that punishment was predetermined before there was a guilty verdict or not in the appeal process. And look, sport and her profile and the profile in the world, I ultimately do think is going to get her out of jail. It's going to come at a cost for America and the safety, but at the same time, it's important to do what's right. And that's kind of this balance that we're fighting with. And the WNBA, the NBA, they're all putting that into this spotlight, right? And Because this is what happens. Because there's Americans all over the world that are imprisoned unjustly because they don't have the same laws we have. And people, oh, I'm going to go and she she obviously made a mistake and I, I I don't either she knew or she should have known but there's kids that go out and like hey I'm going to go party somewhere or I'm going to do something not knowing that well I'll give you an example uh Cutter Qatar however how you pronounce it or however you want to pronounce it they're having the world cup here in 30 days 25 days it's illegal to consume alcohol in that state there's going to be Americans that are coming over there and they're going to think it's okay to go to the hotel lobby and drink alcohol. It's not. That's imprisonment. And so just this kind of light sport can show on the whole global spectrum about just it's important to research where you're going, know where you're going and be safe because a simple mistake here in the States could end up with horrible consequences somewhere else. And so just be smart and don't ever take things for granted. You know, uh, this is why I love that show. That's such well, I so well put. And I didn't know where you were going at first, but you that is so well put. And she does, as an American citizen, everybody needs to come home. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you support or not, but the message is bring well, her home. So she's in a Moscow prison now. Now that the pill's gone, she's going to a penal camp, which is going to be a whole lot worse. And from all accounts, Putin's holding her till after the midterms. Um, and then they're going to start negotiating. Um, but that's a whole different, I, I'm not educated enough on, on international prison trade to, to know that, but that's just what I've been reading. Um, but things are going to get bad for they get better for her. Absolutely. We, have, we have a local guy, Paul Whelan. He's, you know, not too far from where I live. Uh, he's, He's imprisoned in Russia uh, wrongfully, con- uh, considered him a spy, which is nonsense. I know he's definitely been in the negotiation along with Brittany Griner to come home. So, yeah, you're, you're right. There's 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 Americans all over the world that, you know, fall victim to not really knowing um, rules and, and, and customs of other countries. And I think the one thing can be said is, you know what? You can't take for granted some of the freedoms that we have in this country compared to other countries. Um, so, oh yeah. Well, I mean, here, if, if, I mean, if it's a marijuana substance, a marijuana, you know, uh, liquid or 
whatever it is. Completely legal here in Michigan. Yeah, you drive well, I mean, down, you it, drive it, down it, the road. You drive down the road, and, and you're, there are people are smoking it. You can smell it coming out of other cars. It is completely legal here. And and but for her, she's nine year sentence in a colony prison colony. That, that's just yeah, hot. yeah. It's it is good. Great points, and and I'm glad we can use sports to highlight that. Absolutely. Another week to switch to the closing segments of the show now, but um, we need to. And um, that closing segment is called Bet Your Nuts. And Rod, I believe, named this. He's not here, so appropriately, let's bet our nuts. So the first one I want to, I want to touch on two different ones. I got games. Two college football games that make the lines make no sense to me. One is West Virginia and TCU. While it's at Mulan Puskar Stadium in West Virginia, I'm going to lay seven and a half and take TCU. The other one is Notre Dame and Syracuse. And this is at Syracuse. Hmm. Minus two and a half. I'm going to take Syracuse late to two and a half against Notre Dame. That uh, Syracuse has played really well. And we saw last week that Syracuse is actually a really well-coached, really good football team. I'm going to take Syracuse and lay the two and a half. Except when they need to, you know, call a timeout in the fourth quarter and they let 30 seconds run off the clock. But we won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> All right. For that, Tom, you're up next. All right. Well, I got two like you did. And uh, I hinted on it earlier in the um, in the show. Uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State, a, a, a point and a half uh, favorite. Like I said earlier, I like Oklahoma State. Uh, I think they've kind of proven that they're – you know, they're uh, a, a team that can go on the road and win. Uh, they've got some good wins. So I'm going to take uh, Oklahoma State plus one and a half and the over, which is 56 and a half. And then we're going to go to Happy Valley, Penn State, uh, Penn State plus 16. So I'm going to take Penn State to cover. Ohio State's going to win, though. Um, and I'm going to take the under of 61. Um, I like those. I I'm gonna take. So, my balls are rolling, man, and I'm taking them minus twelve and a half. I don't think Kentucky has the offense to keep up with them. It's gonna be a night game. Neyland's gonna be rocking. I like balls minus twelve and a half. Um, backup game. If you don't like that and you want to get so daring, um. I like Michigan to win. I do think Sparty keeps it closer than 22, though. I see a, maybe a 20-point game. Uh, that's a lot of points in this matchup. Um, so I like Michigan State plus 22. I'm going to take it over to the uh, NFL first here. I've got two as well. NFL uh, – we're going to go Giants versus Seahawks here. The Giants are rolling right now. Uh, six and one. 
who would have thought? But they also have the best running back in the league in Saquon Barkley. And no, <laughs> you're still you still suck at fencing. Um <laughs> but they're giving or they're getting three points here coming in Seattle. Um Seattle's four and three. Uh, I still, uh, man, I'm I'm all over these Giants until they prove me wrong. Every time I bet against them, they they prove me wrong. So I'm going with them this time. Giants plus three, and my second one is going against Tom. Ohio State definitely covers 16 points. We're going to win by at least three touchdowns. This game is in the bag. Bet your nuts on that. Let's go. All right, guys. I I will go first on our last words. This is my last words of the night. Tell me how good that looks. Is that the unis they're wearing? Yeah, they're awesome. It's just like Ohio State's except – we have red where your orange is. That is the dark mode. Halloween. But you don't wear it on Halloween weekend, which makes it awesome. It's also true. And, and you know, we you this looks like the great pumpkin. That <laughs> is my final words. Go out and buy yourself one of those. Look, and we're wearing black helmets with it. That's what I like the most. Kentucky- that is uh that is fire as the young the young uh the drip is fire as the uh the youngsters will say, "Hey, I, I just recently learned what drip meant. Someone, someone said they had some good golf drip, and I was like, what that the hell is, is that? Drippy. That is drippy. That ain't usually it. when I hear that, it's like a leaky faucet or something. <laughs> that I got to fix. So. I, I, uh, I could have no more better clothes than comments than that. Who's next? Yeah, my last words are are these." What? Look, guys, I know, I know it's a struggle. Football season's going on. Baseball season's going on. We got basketball starting. Um, I've even been looking at Tennessee basketball scrimmages. I've been looking how they played Michigan State recently. Word is Tennessee beat Michigan State in the scrimmage, but nothing official. Um, But, yes, Sunday is – the NASCAR race. It is in Martinsville. We have Joey. worried about NASCAR right there. We have Joey Logano. We have Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, William Byron. They're in the final four. I've got a I got a preseason bet on Chase Elliott. So even for me, it's getting tough to keep up with it. I do keep clicking back and forth. So yeah, if y'all can root for Chase Elliott. Uh, give me a little Vegas cash going on. Maybe I can turn it into more money. But those are my final words. Is don't don't forget about NASCAR. All right, Brent. Everyone's like, yeah, we've already forgot about it. With yeah, all your we've, you know, I've complaints about, about scheduling conundrums, and you're oh, talking oh, about no, NASCAR. Oh, I, I, can go, I can go off on NASCAR too. Yes, this is they're yeah. the worst of the worst. Let's not forget about NASCAR though, because we actually play. On. They actually race on Sundays against the NFL during their playoffs. They're the worst. Baseball's yeah. like miniature mistakes versus NASCAR mistakes. Final words. Um, Ohio State definitely covers. 
And I believe Michigan covers as well. I think I think these are by far the two best teams. And I think as bad as it pains me to say, which actually it doesn't, you know, let me step back for a second. So Big Ten football is better when Michigan and Ohio State are really good and they play each other at the end of the year. It just it there's no question about it. So I want Michigan to be at their best when we when they come to the shoe and we beat the crap out of them. I, I do. So I don't want no hiccup games. I want you guys, and I think you are. I think you're going to cover, uh, and I think we cover as well. So you know, battle royale. Let's do it. I'll be there. Um, I'll, I might even do a little live video or posting or something going on. So uh, looking forward to it. Well, right. my, my final words today are, are you know, we'll go back to the rivalry here in the state of Michigan. It's, it's always fun. And, uh, oh, and, and this year, this year has been extra special because both, both schools had a bye week. So for two weeks, We've had to, you know, listen to the bantering back and forth. Um, but make no mistake, uh, Michigan State has always found a way to make this a pretty tough game. Um, last year, they 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 win um, when they probably shouldn't have. Uh, there's been games where Michigan, uh, there was a particular game, uh, you know, within the last, I think it was, you know, 10 years or so ago. Michigan was down by like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They, they, they score four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, highlighted by Braylon Edwards' ridiculous catch um, in the corner of the end zone to win the game when, uh, frankly, I remember turning that game off in the third quarter and found out that they were in the mix of it. So, um, obviously, the punt mishap when um, God only knows what Michigan was thinking by not having anybody on the outside. Um, they were playing – uh, for them to return it. Nobody was back returning it. Michigan State blocks the punt. The rest is history five years ago. So um, this is definitely going to be a game. I don't I don't put it past Michigan State to come into the big house and, and give Michigan a little bit of a run for their money. But um, let's just face it. I hate Michigan State. Tuck, Tuck can go uh, hit the Ohio Turnpike and head out west for all I care. Um, but that's the fun in a boatload of money. That's the fun in this rivalry. We've got, I've got friends that are diehard Spartan fans. I've got relatives that go there and uh, they give me shit. I give them up oh, crap. And, uh, but that's the fun of it, especially living here in Michigan with two, you know, big 10 uh, decent teams. So um, it's, it's alive and well, go blue. Um, the hell with Tuck. He don't know. Tuck's going. My other takeaway is, Tom, when are we going to schedule my one-on-one interview with you being a Lions fan? That's what I want to know when that's going to happen. Well, we, we could do that like you guys did the uh, – uh, the, the Storm and Neyland. Storm and Neyland, uh, yes. yeah. Uh, when I get the, back from Vegas, we're doing that. We're doing that. The the breakdown of a Lions fan. Uh, yes. yes. It, it is a depressing story. Um, you you might so be your uh, Prozac. I quickly at hand after this story so yeah we'll have to do where, that. where brandon and i grew up um a guy named tracy hayworth was a defensive lineman i think um on during the barry sanders era and he would get us tickets he knew my parents and he'd get us tickets 
uh, when they played in Atlanta, and I was loved Barry Sanders, but yeah, they always lost as usual, even with that stud of a running back. Yes, the Ford family is death to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, that that's that that's all that can be said about that. <laughs> well, I had to delete some things just so I could bring up a different looking picture. So oh. that's 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 hot, man. That's, uh, that's so. So, all right, we will schedule up the depressed right lines <laughs> with Robbie Davis and Tom. Y'all, yeah. Depre- you got to call it Depression of Detroit. I mean, the Detroit just go with that. Or, yeah, like we've that. Uh, it's been next year uh, since '57. So you know, to and, and to look at the the reality is who the, in the during the '50s. Who were the, the powerhouses in, in, you know, in football? Cleveland sure. and Detroit. Who hasn't been to a Super Bowl? Cleveland and Detroit. So, uh, yeah, we have a saying here um, uh, next year since 1957. So, Well, listen. When yes, you, I'm so intrigued by this. I want to know everything about it. Uh, you haven't won since I've been alive. You know, like- 1957 was the last time they uh, – they won a, a football championship. All right. So I'm going to throw this stat out to close, and we'll close out. Texas A&M hadn't won a national championship in 84 years. That doesn't even seem hard, uh, even possible for a school like A&M. And uh, I saw that one today, and I was like, wow, makes 24 years seem small. So, 84 years and counting for Texas A&M. No wonder they're buying, buying recruiting classes. Well, no. I, I, I mean, it's fine, Bomb, but I heard reporters legitimately on there saying they're really thinking about paying $95 million to buy him out. Especially after what just happened. Three yeah. players caught smoking yeah. marijuana in the locker room. Yeah, that's losing. Like $95 million to pay someone not to coach. Insane. That it can happen. In an SEC school, it can happen. Yeah. yeah. And in a school that has oil money. For Tom, for, uh, we had a new name today. For QB1 and the boys, we out.